everyone. Welcome back to Sincerely Madison E. This is section 10 of the blog and podcast series, Exiting Excuses. So section 10 is on rejecting complacency while we still have time. So complacency, what is it? A feeling of smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements. In other words, you're settling. How many of you can admit that there's some aspect of your life you're guilty of this in? Now, how many of you will admit complacency? It's okay to do, and there are many of us that are at fault for this, whether it be within a relationship, work, or even yourself. It's one thing to say it, but the willingness to change it and the opportunity we have to reject such complacency is what I want you to put action to. So how? Eliminate good enough standards. When we strive for good enough, we'll inevitably continue to fall in the middle of the pack in almost everything. If you've ever heard the quote, if your dreams don't scare you, then they aren't big enough. It's kind of like that. When I sit down to write to you all, I want to push to the side a mediocre mindset and put to paper exactly what will change a person's first thought in the morning, maybe even their next thought today. On the days I lack the time necessary to formulate something meaningful and to resonate with each of you, I choose to postpone and I accept the delay because life lessons can't be encapsulated into paragraph sentences. This is how I begin to eliminate the quote, good enough standards in my writing. But I understand this has to be the potential to lack relation to your life. So where's your beginning? Grab a pen and paper and write down your goals. Now take it a step further and put reasons next to each. Why are these your goals? When you run out of reasons, start writing down why you will continue to force yourself to complete these goals anyways, and then ask yourself if it's truly something you want to accomplish. Could your time be better spent elsewhere? Now what will happen if these goals aren't achieved? What will be the impact? Now look at your responses to these questions. Do you have answers that spark your excitement to the first question? Did you talk yourself into achieving this goal in the second question, or did you find a million reasons why you shouldn't do it? Could you find consequences such as a failed dream or missed opportunity that you need to take when you answer the third question? If you want to stop being complacent, you have to know your purpose behind the goal. If you don't have a solid purpose, it's time to move on and find a new goal because complacency will always follow those who lack purpose. Complacency likes to reside in those who don't understand their why. When we know why we're getting up every morning and the long-term impact its attainment will be, waking up becomes a more exciting part of the day. Complacency is the enemy of progress. As you can imagine, the next step to come would be incorporating the work into your day-to-day that will inevitably fuel your progress. In other words, actions of repetition and dedication, the two actions that will stop complacency in its tracks in every aspect of life. Establish a commitment to yourself that is unbreakable. This commitment should require higher standards of you. In order to rid your life of complacency, you have to implement standards that clearly define what you will and will not accept. You will not make exceptions to these self-created rules, and you will not allow for any gray area. After all, at that point, it is much easier to stick to these standards 100% of the time than just 98%. Be relentless. Allow for no future distractions, and exercise a sense of tunnel vision that will not permit you to steer off course. Be accountable by nature and self-aware of the goal you've put in place, and the acknowledgement you made and the actions necessary to achieve. Put a note on your desk. Tape a post-it note to your bathroom mirror. Slide a card in the visor of your door and be reminded of the goals you've set and what you will not allow to alter that path of procurement. Complacency will thrive in those who do not have personal standards. Now, guys, I want to ask you a question. Is your fear of dying or is it of living? The truly wise know that both mindsets are are misguided. The secret is known that death is not something to be avoided or fought but embraced. Furthermore, in doing so... There can actually be the formula for great insights, breakthroughs, and wisdom. Memento mori is the reminder that you are mortal. Death does not make life pointless. Instead, knowing that it's there can create priority, and thinking about it gives you perspective, motivating you to focus on what's really important. 
So I wanna share with you seven reminders that were adapted by the Daily Stoic that will help you find some inspiration in your own mortality in the hopes it will shorten your mentality about death. Spendthrifts of time. So there's a quote by Seneca, where all the geniuses of history to focus on this single theme, they could never fully express their bafflement at the darkness of the human mind. No person would give up even an inch of their estate and the slightest dispute with a neighbor can mean hell to pay. Yet we easily let others encroach on our lives. Worse, we often pave the way for those who will take it over. No person hands out their money to passerbys, but to how many do each of us hand out our lives? We're tight-fisted with property and money, yet think too little of wasting time, the one thing about which we should all be the toughest misers. Each day there will be endless interruptions, phone calls, emails, visitors, unexpected events. Booker T. Washington observed that the number of people who stand ready to consume one's time to no purpose is almost countless. A philosopher, on the other hand, knows that these intrusions prevent us from doing the thinking and the work we were put here to do. This is why they so diligently protect their personal space and thoughts from trespassers and needy neighbors. They know that a few minutes of contemplation are worth more than any meeting or report. They know how little time we're actually given in life and how quickly our stories can be depleted. It was the passing of a friend that reminded entrepreneur and investor Tim Ferriss how too often we spend time focusing on the trivial with people who contribute nothing but their own self-interest. Guys, we must resist this and instead prioritize and shun distractions as I mentioned before. One of the greatest business minds Peter Drucker advised, force yourself to set priorities, do first things first and second things not at all. Why would you do that if you think time is infinite? If you think you have time for it all, you'll end up doing a lot of the things you don't actually need to do. The Stoic philosopher Seneca reminds us that we might be good at protecting our physical property, but we're far too lax at enforcing our mental boundaries. Property can be regained, but let's face it, there is quite a lot out there, some of which is still untouched by man. Time, on the other hand, time's our most irreplaceable asset. Instead of striving to make more of it, we can fall more easily if we just stop wasting so much of it. The prophecy that never fails. Let each thing you do, say, or intend be like that of a dying person. This was the viewpoint of Marcus Aurelius. Have you ever heard someone ask, what would you do if you found out tomorrow that you had cancer? The question is designed to make you consider how different life would be if you were suddenly given just a few months or weeks to live. There's nothing like a terminal illness to wake people up. But here's the thing, you already have a terminal diagnosis, we all do. As the writer Edmund Wilson put it, death is one prophecy that never fails. Every person is born with a sentence. Elon Musk joked after his near-death experience on a vacation, that's my lesson for taking a vacation, vacation will kill you. You never know when it will happen, but you carry the awareness that it could at any moment. In his commencement speech, Steve Jobs said that death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. And that is as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It is life's change agent. He goes on to say, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. So to simplify, the people who are given a wake-up call about their mortality tend to squeeze more life into those remaining years than those that they had in all of those before. Pretend today is the end. Let us prepare our minds as if we'd come to the end of very end of life. Let us postpone nothing. Let us balance life's books each day. This one 
who puts the finishing touches on their life each day is never short of time. Live each day as if it were your last is a cliche. Plenty say it, but few actually do it. Let us live today the same way, because as Steve Jobs put it, if you live each day as it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. And even if somehow you weren't, it would still be a better existence than the person who makes the risky bet on living forever. Coming to terms with a tragic triad. Marcus Aurelius said, don't behave as if you are destined to live forever. What's faded hangs over you. As long as you live and while you can, become good now. A Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl, observed three universal facts about human existence. He said, there's no human being who may say that he has not failed, that he does not suffer, and that he will not die. It is this tragic triad that defines every one of our lives, does it not? Without death, life just is. Without failure, there is no learning. Without suffering, there is no pleasure or purpose. Instead of judging this reality or trying to cheat it, we should instead say, okay, if that's how it is, I'll try to make the most of my allotted time. If we do this, we'll find that it is from failure, struggle, and death that meaning is produced. Your why, if you will. It is death that gives life urgency. It's failure that teaches us lessons. It's suffering that shows us who we are. Do not run from these facts. Face them. You could leave right now. You could leave right now and let that determine what you do, say, and think. Earlier this year, I found myself getting a little complacent. I felt like I was stuck in my routine, that I was doing the same things over and over again, as if my life would just go on forever, or like I would find a way to accept the, the end if it happened sooner than I had expected. But Marcus Aurelius quoted, you could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do, say, and think. And the point of that is urgency, appreciation, humility. The present moment, it doesn't matter who you are or how many things you have left to be done, because even if life was radically lengthened, you could still be killed in some way, and then that would still be it. Too many people realize the preciousness of life only at the very end of theirs. This is why today, before you go on living your life, I encourage you to think about how short it really is. The Stoics understood how critical it is to remind ourselves of our own mortality. Why? It helps us reorient reorient our priorities, realize how petty our concerns are and how wasteful we've been with our time. With death constantly on our minds, or as Shakespeare said, with every third thought on our grave, we have an easier time rejecting pointless trivialities and we develop a keen sense of priority in time. Feeling sorry for yourself is unnatural. It's better to conquer grief than to deceive it. Furthermore, there's a quote that states the observation, I never saw a wild thing sorry for itself. A small bird will drop frozen dead from a bow without ever having felt sorry for itself. The Stoics talk a lot about grief. They know that it's real, and they certainly wouldn't pretend that avoiding it in its entirety is advisable or even possible. But there was this sense of comfort and reminder that self-pity and getting overly emotional while trying to change what was already, already has never and will never be productive. We have to find inspiration for strength and fortitude everywhere. Cherish what you have. Now, how did reading those or hearing those make you feel? I hope invigorated and inspired to seize each and every day while wearing the reminder of how fleeting our time really is. I tap into that feeling each and every morning I awake. So whatever you do, keep death in mind. The poet Lucretius described it in haunting language. Never again will your dear children race for the prize of your first kisses and touch your heart with pleasure too profound for words. This, although, is not what we forget. What we forget is you will not care because you will not exist. Jack London, speaking like a Stoic, has an equally clever and profound line. With death, he says, man does not lose anything, for with the loss of himself, he loses the knowledge of loss. Guys, start rejecting complacency, seize the day, and make it the best one yet.